Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also my partner in life, Rachel Campos Duffy. Hey, Sean, thank you. It's so good to be back at our kitchen table. And boy, has some news really been rocking the country uh, this week. And that is, of course, the FBI raid of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Um, and we have like the perfect guest. A few, a few <laughs> we really do. We really do. Because a few months ago, my buddy Will Kane said, I want to do something on the whole Russia hoax falling apart. And I said, I know the perfect guy. It's Cash Patel. And he thanked me later and said it was such a great interview. And Cash, you were the first person that came to our mind when this happened because you are a an attorney. You're a former chief of staff um, to the acting United States Secretary of Defense, and um, we're just so lucky to have you today, um, even if only for a little bit of time, to give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, to be with you. I was on uh, Will's show. He's covering for Tucker, so we had some fun and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's the hot topic that's just not going away. Cash, you also worked with Devin Nunes on uh, the the Intel Committee and did a lot of work in regard to the Russia collusion hoax. But first, give me your take on on what this raid of of Donald Trump's residence means to you, and and what's going on in the FBI and the DOJ. Well, you know, as as you said, as a chief investigator for RussiaGate and as a former federal public defender and national security prosecutor, I'm just you know it. it the, the credibility of the Department of Justice and the FBI is continuously eroded by its politicization. And it's fully become the Department of Politics. And that's just tragic for, so there's so many men and women who actually know what they're doing in there. And it's the leadership. And whether it's Russiagate or impeachment one or Bountygate or impeachment two or Mueller or January 6th or Hunter Biden laptop, there seems to be a two tier system of justice, which is on full display in the United States of America in 2022. And I never thought I would see that. I've worked in and around countries all over the world, uh, third world countries, dictatorships, and they have seemed to be uh, acceded and expanded past our due process which is scary because now you have these raids going on for political purposes. And I just think it's going to take a mountain of effort to get it all back. So, yeah, you know, when you talk about how do we get it back, I'll tell you what I'm surprised about. Why aren't there more whistleblowers coming out of the FBI or, or, or any of these intelligence agencies that are involved in this kind of a thing? I'm surprised that I get everyone goes, well, it's just the leadership. It's not the other guys, but, Obviously, these guys are following orders, and at some point, somebody gets that this is BS. 
Yeah. And I think they already know that. And that's what I called for yesterday was where are the FBI whistleblowers? And you saw Senator Grassley's great uh, presentation of it and, you know, Chris Ray's complete deflection of it so he can catch a private jet flight to his vacation home in the Adirondacks. That that just that little juxtaposition between Senator Grassley's concern for whistleblowers and their importance and Chris Ray's deflection and unconcern, I know that's not a word, um, shows you the status of this FBI and where they where they care. I think you're going to see more whistleblowers come forward to the House Intel community, to the Senate Intel community and judiciary communities, because there are FBI agents who work on these cases and they just say, like there were at Russiagate that say, this is wrong and we uh, we got it wrong, but we gotta get the documents out. We gotta get we gotta get subpoenas ready. We gotta get ready to take over the midterms with, with force, like Kevin McCarthy's statement last night, I hope he's true to his word, where he said, told Attorney General Merrick Garland to be ready, you're gonna be investigated. You know, Cash, there's, and I wanna to get to that in a second, what can we do with regard to oversight? What can Republicans do? But before I get there, when you look at the law, right, so there can be a violation of the law, but there's procedure and standards in history in place and how prosecutors enforce the law. So you look at FARA violations. Usually this is the, the foreign report, the foreign agent reporting act. So if a, someone's a U.S. citizen working for a foreign government, you have mm-hmm. to report that. If there was a violation, oftentimes there was a settlement without prosecution until the Trump era where we've seen we've seen Trump. Uh, Trump uh, allies prosecuted. And here, even with regard to these documents, oftentimes these were negotiated settlements. You know, what documents belong in the archives? What documents can a former president take? And again, they're not negotiating a resolution. They're actually using the force of law and saying, we're going to actually, you know, go into Donald Trump's residence and take the documents. And you know this as a federal prosecutor. You get a warrant and you go in for documents you're, you're going to take all the documents that you can find and say, well, this could have been a document that was in, in, uh, it covered under the, uh, the, uh, the warrant. Um, and so you, the, I, I would imagine that this was a raid that was under the auspices of um, the, 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 um, these, these documents that he allegedly held over from the White House, but actually it's in regard to January 6th. Yeah, so it's a twofold, from my understanding, it's a twofold investigatory effort by the FBI, let's call it that, putting it, giving them the benefit of the doubt. They say they were looking for, you know, classified information. Well, Donald Trump issued a large sweeping statement on October of 2020, declassifying every document related to Russiagate and the Hillary Clinton email scandal. That's a pretty broad set of documents. Furthermore, in January, December and January, he issued more declassification of whole sets of documents within the White House. So the question is, and it's incumbent upon the government to prove this, is that what they were, is that the classified documents you're talking about that were declassified? And let's not forget that the president has unilateral classification authority and is a final arbiter of it, and also as, as a security clearance for life. So what's the basis of this investigation on that parameter? What about flipping over to the National Archives issue? Well, as the uh, Mark Elias, the guy who conjured up the entire Russiagate hoax and made millions for the Democratic Party, and who's been called by John Durham as a joint venture criminal conspirator, has noted and shoved into the mainstream media this statute that says if you're a U.S. official and you take government documents um, and you're caught, you, you'll be banned from holding public office. Here's the problem. That statute doesn't govern the office of the presidency of the United States. Only the Constitution does and of a constitutional amendment. The president of the United States is exempt from that statute. So these two bases of if these are their bases are, are invalidated by the facts and the law. So I don't know what they're looking for. If, are they looking for another crime? Is it a counter intel matter? If that's the case, why are they raiding his home in the middle of the day 
with armed guards. So lots of questions need to be asked, but the underlying documentation has to come out. And, you know, I don't think we're going to get an explanation from this department anytime soon. So would you then say that the purpose of all of this, the bottom line, whatever they're doing, whatever the rationale behind what they're doing, that this is all about making sure that Donald Trump doesn't run again? Oh, that's absolutely it. That's absolutely the reason. Whether it was Russiagate, Jan 6, Mueller, or what have you, if they can't get them on some bogus trumped up charge, they're going to try to get them on some bogus trumped up procedural maneuver, the national records thing. But we, we've, we've covered it by that's, in my opinion, not possible. They just want to make it so that they can get them. And they're running out of time on the Jan 6 matter because it's almost November. So explain to me, I mean, listen, Democrats have always hated Republicans. Um, the media has always hated Republicans. What is it? Just one more time. What is it about Donald Trump? that would inspire this kind of vitriol, this kind of, you know, as everyone's saying, third world type disregard for the rule of law, this two-tiered system. What is it about him that is this special, unique, awful treatment that he gets? What are they afraid of? Uh, they're afraid of his success. I mean, look, when he ran for president, they were afraid of his policies, which kind of surprised me as a national security guy. You know, I've never really been a political guy. I worked in Democrat and Republican administrations and national security doesn't really move too much left or right. So when he came in and secured the border and took on Iran, Russia and China and drew down our forever wars and, you know, defeated uh, the, the cartels down in Mexico, you'd think, okay, that's, that's a win. So they don't, I guess, like the way he operates or carries himself out and, now we see what happens when the Biden administration's national security policy has been, what did Donald Trump do? We're doing the opposite. Literally, look at the Afghanistan withdrawal, look at the border, look at the opioid crisis. So I'm not, I think their hatred and their politics has blinded them to a simple America first strategy that worked for many Americans. And we're seeing the consequences, whether it's at the pump or in the grocery store. Totally. And Cash, I know we only have a couple of minutes left with you, but you and Devin Nunes um, were some of the most successful the most successful teams in doing oversight in, on the Intel Committee. There's a lot of oversight that's going to happen when Republicans win in November and take control at the start of January, January 3rd. And frankly, a lot of Americans have a lot of faith in a new Republican Congress. I, I don't have as much faith as maybe the American people do that they're that smart on how to do oversight. So if, <laughs> if Cash Patel, who did a great job on oversight, was able to give advice to say, this is what you have to do if you're going to hold the DOJ and the FBI accountable. And that's a starting point. We have to hold all of these agencies accountable. But what, what do Republicans have to do? Who, you know, what kind of people do members of Congress have to bring in to make sure they have smart people working with them to make sure that, that these agencies are held to account? Well, I think they might have to call Sean Duffy back to Congress. You're, <laughs> you're very yeah, kind. I, or Cash I mean, I'm not, I'm not even like mildly kidding because you need guys who are in there who don't care about the politics of it or don't care if they take a bad headline for doing the work. And, you know, when Devin and I ran this investigation, it, look, it's simple. Whether you're a prosecutor or congressional investigator, your job is for the American people and to hold people accountable who break the law or mostly, more importantly, in Congress, when government officials break the law. And the only way you can do that and prove it to the American public is by getting the documentation and showing it to the American public. We did in the form of Nunes memo. We did in the form of declassifying whole sets of documents at Congress when we were there and through the Trump presidency. And so what you have to line up is a series of investigations from judiciary to intel uh, to foreign affairs. And you have to start hauling the people in 
But before you haul the heads in, like the AGs and the FBI director and the sex states and whatnot, you have to get the information and you have to do it with vigilance because these people did it to us. Why can't we go and subpoena all their documents and all their records? And you have to have a Congress willing to do it. And Cash, I know when I did that, I was the the, the chair of the Oversight Committee on Financial yeah. Services. They, I mean, they would respond to my request for documents and send me news clippings. They would send me their press <laughs> releases. I mean, they're totally messed with us. And you need a, a, a speaker and a Republican majority that's willing to actually hold them to account on the House floor by holding them in contempt of Congress and then send those referrals to the Department of Justice. But, Sean, how do you do that if they, if they, if they just refuse? I mean, you saw them. They're permanent, you know, administrative state. They just refuse to send crap over. I mean, they do that. You know that. You Cash did that. it. Cash, how did you do it? How do you get the no, documents? No, you're right. Look, it's like you said, Sean, you know, you have to basically use subpoena power, congressional subpoena power like these folks have. And here's the other way you do it. Yes, you send over the referrals, but you don't even bother. There's a mechanism whereby you can appoint a special counsel and get those guys to bring the charges for anyone who violates a congressional subpoena. So that should be number one, right? Send it straight to federal Article Three courts for federal judges to prosecute because this Department of Justice has been wholly disqualified totally. from representing congressional interest if the Republican state charge. The other way you do this, and Sean, you know this, is you take their money. You fence That's them. right. You just say, hey, oh, FBI, you don't want to turn over documents? No money. DOD, same thing. DOJ, oh, sorry, we ran out of money for your... And Congress can do that. They don't have to wait for the annual budgeting process, Sean, as you know. You set up fences around specific programs and you'll see how fast the documents start flooding in. But you're right. You need a critical mass at Congress with the will to do that. The, the, the respective chairmen, yes, the speaker, but the respective chairmen have to be willing to hammer them and say... We are going to withhold funds till you provide the American people with the documents needed. We did that once because Paul Ryan only gave us the authority to do it one time from the FBI. And we got all the Bruce Orr 302s and all the Pfizer back documents, which now buttress our entire investigation, which showed it was a total fraud. And I bet you dollars for donuts that it will happen again if there's a will to get it. Cash, I know you got to go. That is the best point. Money, money talks. And if you take their money away, you'll see how fast they come in with documents. If you have no teeth in your threats, they're not going to provide the documents. The Congress has to actually start figuring this out right now, thinking about it right now, having you consult with them right now to make sure that they can get the documents because no doubt they're going to be stonewalled by this administration. Cash Patel, listen, you are a great American. You did a, a great job and great service to the country when you served with Devin Nunes on the Intel Committee and then thereafter for President Trump. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. And again, thanks for all your great work exposing all the corruption uh, of Russia Gate and Russia collusion. It's always a pleasure to be yeah. with you. Thank you so much. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you it's the nation's largest home services. Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. 
And get this, folks, Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Hey, Sean, he's also teaching us how to do it. I mean, and I think informing the American people so that they actually hold their members of Congress and these committee chairs accountable. Um, I think a lot of times we're too polite as Republicans or there's a lot of collegiality that some of the, especially some of the older members have. And, and I just think the time for that kind of politeness is over. And I think a lot of times I look at, you know, prior to this conversation with cash, you know, I just was very, after what happened with the raid and, you know, the history of these investigations, minus Devin Nunes's and Cash Patel's, which did draw blood and did draw some documents that really unraveled their hoax. But for the most part, there's hearings and then nothing happens. And that's so frustrating. And a lot of Americans lose hope. But he's kind of laying out, this is how you can do it. This is how you can be effective in these investigations and actually hold people accountable which I think a lot of Americans have lost hope on. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. So th- the, the way that Congress works is there's, there's a lot of history and there is a lot of uh, collegiality, which is, frankly, it's a good thing. You, you want your members of Congress to, to get along. Um, th- they have to work together. They're all in service of the country. And that's been a long, long history in this country of having that collegiality. And I, I'm not opposed to that. You, you can like people and disagree with their politics. That's okay. But what's happened in the past before uh, before this new majority and before Joe Biden became the president, Republicans didn't want to cross certain thresholds. So he's right. Paul Ryan was very resistant to allowing the House to issue subpoenas to threaten the withholding of, of, of money for documents because that was a new step that hadn't been taken in the past. And Republicans have been far more willing to stick within certain guardrails not to break them. Okay, now we've seen that Democrats have completely shattered the guardrails that we thought existed in how the Congress should work. Again, they're going after a former U.S. president. This has been said multiple times, but this is third world stuff going after former leaders, not because they did something wrong, but because you don't like them. You don't like their supporters. And so now because Democrats have shattered the guardrails, Republicans have a clear lane now to actually subpoena documents, to, to hold uh, money hostage, if you will, uh, for these agencies if they don't provide the documents that are requested. And I want to make sure everyone is clear on this. The Congress has complete oversight of the executive branch. The Congress funds the executive branch. If you remember, the Congress has the power of the purse. So the Congress funds all of government, including uh, the executive branch, all the agencies, the DOJ, the FBI, the Department of Education, Health and Human Services, the Congress funds it all. And if they don't provide documents per our oversight requests, you can withhold money. And Republicans have not been as thoughtful as I think they 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 could have been in the past. They're going to have to be thoughtful now. Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, 
Um, and as Cash mentioned, the, the, the committee chairman have to be thoughtful on what they're going to do right now and what tools they're going to use when no doubt these agencies don't provide the documents requested. And what's important here, Rachel, is transparency. We want to know what's happening and why. Why is there two different standards of justice, one for Republicans and one for Democrats, one for Donald Trump and a completely different standard for Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton and Joe and, Biden? And Eric Swalwell. I just <laughs> wanted to add that. <laughs> Eric Swalwell. I just, I just know, Sean, that if you slept with a Chinese spy, <laughs> that you would not still be in Congress. I'm I, sorry. I just, as your wife, I know that for a fact. It's just not, or if, or if you had um, married your sister, um, like Elon Omar married her brother, you would not still be in Congress. I just, Listen, not being in Congress would be the least of my concerns if that was what I did. But none of that, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on for sure the Intel Committee. You know, if I still I made it through Congress and I still had body parts attached to me, I wouldn't be on the Intel Committee. I mean, this, this, the insanity of the double standard is is so rich, and I so. I, I, oh, so wait, wait. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks for using me as an example in this story. I'm sorry. I'm going to use you as another example. Oh, great. Kind of, I'm going to put you on the spot right here for a minute. Look, I know you were in Congress for ten years. Everybody liked you. You liked everybody. I mean, you really had a Most collegial everybody. relationship with people on both sides of the aisle. But, you know, even within the Republican conference, you have a lot of friends. You're a likable guy and there's a lot of likable people. So I'm going to put you on the spot because I know these are your friends. Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, all these, uh, you know, committee chairmen. Um, a lot of them came up with you in the ranks and are now at the tops of these committees that have to make these tough calls that Cash Patel is talking about. Do these members of Congress Honestly, one, have the balls that it takes to do what needs to be done to get these documents and to conduct these investigations so they actually have meaning and accountability. And two, do you feel like they're hearing the American people who I think have lost so much trust in institution that this is like the end of the rope for them? So I'm going to answer that in a little bit of a roundabout way. So to, to make sure that this happens and happens effectively, Republicans have to hire smart staff. So just to think, members of Congress have a lot of skill sets, a lot of talents, um, and they're good at talking to people. They're good at giving speeches. They're, they're, they're pretty good on policy, but they probably haven't spent a lifetime on doing oversight. So you got to bring in smart lawyers, smart attorneys to join you on your committees to make sure you can be effective in doing this work. That's step number one. Step number two is you have to have a will to do it. Now, I think that uh, the, the, the chairman and the leadership does have a will to do it. But if they don't, I guarantee you when they go home to their home districts, their constituents are going to say, listen, we gave you power. We gave you the house back. You're a chairman. Why aren't you using it to get information and transparency that, that we want as Amer American citizens and as your constituents? I think the pressure from the American people and the constituents of senators and house members will be overwhelming if they're not effective in doing this. And excuses um, will not work with the American people. Again, they have the tools to do it. They need to do it. Um, and frankly, Rachel, again, if I look back, you know, be, you know, in the Trump era um, and the Barack Obama era, do I think that Republicans were really aggressive on this front? Not aggressive enough. I think Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise understand how important this is. Um, again, just to shed light on what's happening and the, and the double standards and the politics that has infiltrated into these um, into these agencies that, 
for the most part, didn't operate on a political basis, but now they do. And you've weaponized the DOJ and the FBI to go after um, your political enemies, which is absolutely unheard of. And by the way, if Republicans don't do that, kiss your democracy goodbye. Kiss your, right. kiss your right to free speech, um, to contribute to um, members of Congress or politicians that you want to win office. Kiss those rights goodbye because they are coming for you. And Donald Trump is the least of our concerns. It'll, it'll be you and your neighbors and your friends and your, and your employers. They're coming for all of us. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that, Sean, because as I talk to a lot of my friends um, about what happened in Mar-a-Lago and also what hap- that this happened in the wake of the hiring of, you know, a 600% increase in IRS agents and just everything that's going on in terms of this two tiers of justice, I would say all of my friends think that what's happening to Donald Trump is a foreshadowing of what will happen to them. And they are really, really worried that, as you said, we're losing our democracy, that we're sliding into um, a an authoritarian and tyrannical state. In fact, Sean, the president of El Salvador, who um, the uh, the Biden administration can't stand because he's, a, he's one of the few conservatives in Latin America, actually tweeted out, what would the Biden administration say if I raided the home of my um, opposition? That's right. You know, That's right. Our, our government goes around the, the world, you know, wagging its finger um, at all these, um, you know, other countries, um, usually, uh, you know, right wing countries, uh, but, you know, you know, trying to show this is what democracy should be like. And and this is embarrassing for us, Sean. And, and, and Rachel, it's it's not like... There, he, he killed someone, that he robbed a bank. These are documents that, you know, there's an argument over whether they belong to him or if they belong in the archives. And that's a reasonable dispute that, that a former president can have with the federal government. And Donald Trump, unlike Hillary Clinton, has um, the security clearance to possess all those documents. Hillary Clinton didn't have the security clearance to possess all of the classified information that she had on an unsecure server that, by the way, she shared with Uma Abedin and others who had access to her server. Far greater violation, and nothing happened to Hillary Clinton. And they're raiding Donald Trump's homes with guns to go to go get these documents? This it's, it, it is political theater to the max. Can, can, I want to just, if I could, just talk about what you mentioned with, with the IRS. Let's be really clear. Democrats are saying... We are going to, to your point, Rachel, increase the budget by 600%, $80 billion to the IRS, which, by the way, no Americans want to see more money to the IRS. There's a lot of things they're concerned about. They're not concerned about funding at the IRS. And, and Democrats are saying, well, this is a funding mechanism for our Green New, uh, Green New Deal legislation that we've now passed in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a complete lie in its title. But what this is about is empowering um, and bolstering the IRS not to collect more money from Americans. It's to collect more money from Republicans and to harass Republicans. Uh, we saw this with Lois Lerner and the politics at the IRS, but I saw this firsthand when I ran for Congress, and you know it too, Rachel, because we've talked about this story often. When I ran for Congress, listen, I was a, I was a state prosecutor. You, you were making a little bit of money on the side. We, were, we, were not, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of expenses. I ran for Congress. I got an audit. We got audited. And by the way, I brought in a shoebox of receipts in the audit. I was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Really? This is so I got audited. 
But also, we had four supporters that went to Congressman Dave Obie's town halls that he was hosting. And they asked him hard questions, fair but hard questions. And after the, and he was angry when he got the questions that were fair. This was about the $800 billion stimulus package, which was huge then and is chump change today. But they asked him questions about it. After the event, he had a staffer ask the mayor who the four questioners were. He took down their names. And three months later, all four of them surprisingly got what, Rachel? They audits. Got, they got audits from the IRS. And to think that this is a non-political agency, there's retribution if you speak out, if you ask questions, if you make political contributions, the IRS is coming for you. you I want everyone to pay their taxes, but they can find something in everyone's history that you violated something. And, and even if you didn't, the time, the time it takes, the cost it takes, and the stress it takes to go through an audit, which I can speak to firsthand when I had no right. money and very little receipts in my box, is immense. And it'll... The, the four people, my last point, Rachel, the four people were, in essence, their conclusion was, we don't want anything to do with politics. This was exactly. such a horrible experience. We want nothing to do with politics. We're out. Because- I know for sure two of them said, I won't, and I don't remember the other two, but two of them, I, I specifically remember said, I love your husband. Damn, I hope he wins. But I'm not donating to a political campaign again. I don't want to go through another audit. And... um and that's what they want to have happen. Yep. That's exactly what the left wants to have happen. We saw it happen, you know, back in 2009. And you can believe me with, you know, how many more IRS agents is it, Sean? Oh, the number, I don't know. The, I know it was, it was, it was $80 billion of increased funding, which to your point, the, 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 the t- thousands of more. Yeah. 87,000 um, new agents. On the beat, 87,000 new agents. And Rachel, they, they had a $12.5 billion budget in 2021. They're adding $80 billion to it. For what? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's outrageous. Wait right there. We're going to have more of that conversation next. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. We have to get to one other topic, Sean, because it's a big one. Um, and it, and I know uh, it's it's the Wisconsin election this that happened this week, the primary election. We just finished talking about what happened in with the raid of Donald Trump's house and the outrage. I mean, there was universal outrage among uh, Republicans, independents, and I think a lot of nervousness among Democrats who think, wow, we might have stepped too far on this um, and actually turned Donald Trump into the victim, which we all think he has been for the last six years that he's been in public life. 
Um, but a lot of people who maybe weren't as sympathetic to Donald Trump are now like, this is ridiculous. So there was an, a primary election in Wisconsin. Um, it was Rebecca Clayfish and it was also um, Tim Michaels, um, who was a, a kind of unknown, not very well-known character in, in Wisconsin politics, but he was endorsed by Trump. And a lot of people expected Rebecca Clayfish to win. She was the lieutenant governor in Wisconsin, um, and yet she lost. How much of that loss do you think, Sean, has to do with the fact that on the eve of that election night, Donald Trump's house in Mar-a-Lago was raided? It's a great question. So we have to look at what's the what, what motivates people. So there was a conversation in politics what did the Dobbs decision do to motivate the left? That was the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Are Democrats going to be more energized to vote in the November elections because of this Supreme Court decision? And there was there was some truth to that. There was a little more motivation by Democrats as we came into, you know, these these late summer months. They're more motivated. This raid on Donald Trump's residence, again a bogus raid, is is amplifying, energizing, angering Republican voters. And so you, you, you mentioned the Wisconsin primary. Uh, Tim Michaels, a business guy, Donald Trump endorsed him. Rebecca Clayfish, endorsed by former Governor Scott Walker, had the support of Mike Pence. A lot of observers, and she was the former lieutenant governor for Scott Walker, a lot of observers thought that this would be a one-point race that went in favor of Tim Michaels. But I think as this raid happened, the Donald Trump endorsement became that much more pronounced. And to support Donald Trump, voters came out and voted for his endorsed candidate, number one. And number two, people who maybe wouldn't have voted in the primary actually showed up and said, you know what, I'm going to vote now and I'm going uh, I'm to support Donald Trump by supporting his candidate. And Tim Michaels didn't win by one point, which the, which the pollsters thought it would be. He won by five points, a massive victory for Tim Michaels that the that the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid only amplified his his uh, his victory in margin over Rebecca Clayfish. And again, I think you're going to see the same thing now happen in November, and energy and motivation in Republican voters. But that the memory of this is going to extend for another what is it 90 days for the till the next election till the midterm election. I think I think you have a seething, burning anger and frustration in the inequity in the application of the law. And again, how they've gone after Donald Trump. The, the, you had four years of Russia collusion, which was a complete hoax. We know that it was a false story orchestrated by Hillary Clinton. By the way, just remember when we talked to Cash Patel, we didn't know who paid for this dirty dossier. We heard all the stuff about the dossier, but we're like, where did the dossier come from? And it was the work of Devin Nunes and Cash Patel that exposed that it was Hillary Clinton's work and funding and the DNC's funding that gave you this false fake document of the dossier, which prompted this DOJ FBI investigation and then allowed the media to run with the story for four years on Donald Trump. The American people that, that I'm sorry, the Republican voter, the, the, the moderate voter that sees how Donald Trump, to your point, Rachel, has been treated and he's been victimized and he's being re-victimized again, not treated like an average normal American, but treating as a treated as a pariah that every every aspect of every Democrat tool needs to be used against him to quash him and his supporters. And I think that's angering people and going to motivate them. They'll they'll remember, you know, in the next th you know three months before Election Day, they won't forget they are angry, they're frustrated and, and they want to make sure they have a Republican House to uh, to clean house 
um, in this administration. That's interesting. I think when he ran in 2016, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because he said what they were thinking. And now I think they have to vote Republican and and perhaps even um, for Donald Trump if he decides to to run, which I think he will, um, because it's not even what you can say. It's what they'll do to you. Um, I think it's I think it's even more um, existential. Um, the, the democracy is on the line um, that, that that you can't, you know, that these IRS agents will come on you, that the FBI, I mean, you saw so much unfair treatment of so many people um, who weren't, uh, there were people that were put in jail on January 6th who never even entered the Capitol, um, that somehow you were uh, shamed if you believed that there was funny business in the election, that you weren't allowed to say that. And that then extended to you, there, you know, you were shamed if you thought differently than the, the United States government on COVID. Um, there's just this censoring, um, but also um, this now I think it's escalated to just destroying you. And they see what's happening to Donald Trump and they go, wow, gosh, they're coming for me next. And I think that's how people are feeling. I think, I, I hope you're right that people still are channeling this anger in November. And if that's the case, what you, you said there was gonna be a, a tidal wave of support for Republicans. I think after Mar-a-Lago, if you're right, Sean, I mean, this this could be something we've never seen in, in the history of the United States in terms of um, the n amount of people voting for Republicans and putting Republicans in, in seats that maybe they never even had a chance of before. You, you know, Rachel, we talked about this as we were floating on our boat yesterday. If we don't actually hold them to account now, they just they got away with Russia collusion. They got away with COVID. They got away with they get away with raiding a former president's residence. Um, the, the 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 gates are wide open to what Democrats can actually do to the American people because there's no one, nothing that's going to hold them back. They're blowing the gates open, and it's war on people who disagree with their politics. Have you been surprised at how few Democrats? I mean, literally zero have push back on any of this. I haven't seen one Democrat push back on the COVID tyranny we just went through, um, the lies that have now been confirmed by the documents that Cash Patel and Devin Nunes, you know, were able to get out to prove the Russia hoax. Um, th this raid, um, the fact that, you know, uh, Hunter Biden is is fine and, 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 and the emails that say that Hunter, that Joe Biden is the big guy. I mean, I have to believe, Sean, that if any of these things happened, but especially like this raid, if this had happened on Barack Obama, I know there would have been Republicans that would have said, this is wrong. And there were plenty of Republicans who pushed back on Donald Trump when they thought he was wrong. Why is there such unanimous consensus in the Democrat Party? What is it about that, that there's like no one with a conscience? Well, I, I think that these spaces have become so consumed with liberal groupthink, whether it's in the media, whether it's in big tech, whether it's in Hollywood, and to speak out in a way that's contrary to the viewpoint of this this liberal machine is can be can be financial suicide, can be professional suicide. But on the positive side, Rachel, I think what's interesting is you know guys like Bill Maher, a traditional liberal. Elon Musk, uh, I mean, a guy who voted for Democrats his whole life. Um, Joe Rogan, a Democrat and a liberal. You're starting to get traditional liberals in with some powerful positions and powerful voices to say, hold on. This is not, I mean, again, I don't, I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Republicans. I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. 
But this is not the way we behave as um, an, an, an advanced society, an advanced political arrangement that we have in this country. That's not what we do. And you're starting to see the traditional liberal stand up and push back against these ideas. Um, and if there's more, I think that can tilt the scale um, against Democrats. But again, I think the group think, and they're in, they're in every space, uh, universities as well, they control so much of, of culture today. I think it's really hard for for free thinkers to stand up and push back against them. And so with that, there's no group left. Again, Democrats have taken over everything. Um, They may not have small businesses. They may not have those of us who are over 40. But if you're going to stop Democrats, the only ones that are going to stop them and bring sanity back to government is going to be the voter. And can the voter stand up and give an overwhelming victory to Republicans and then hold Republicans to account to actually expose this stuff? And if they don't, you got to throw them out and bring in better people. So I want to end with, with this because I think it's really interesting because it, it it will affect the midterms and it will affect the next presidential election. Sean, there is a group of people who are not at all surprised by what happened uh, at Mar-a-Lago because they've seen this before. And they're sad because they know what happens next. And that is people who've lived under authoritarian um, dictatorships. A lot of them are Hispanics who are going to be going to the polls in November and in 2024. And they've seen this before. They've seen the people in power, the, the authoritarians, go after the opposition power a party as soon as they come into power. And what they've also seen, um, and this is something that Marco Rubio has been talking about um, over the last 24 hours, and that is that Hispanics who have lived in Latin America and seen this know that the very next step of this playbook is they go after the supporters. So first they they send a message by going after the leader, and that's what they did with Donald Trump. And now they're going to go after us. No, that, that's 100% right, which is, goes back to this point. How do they go after you? They go they go after um, you through the IRS. And it's a way that it's not, it's, it's not very public. You don't know who's getting audited, who isn't. It's a silent way in which they can punish conservative voters and conservative donors. And so if we're going to fix this, Rachel... It's going to be the American people who stand up and say, we're not going to take this anymore. It's American parents who are going to say, I'm not going to let my kids get indoctrinated in the school system. I'm going to do my best to get them out to a better school. Um, maybe it's a, um, a, a classical academy, a Christian academy. Um, they're going to get involved in their school boards. It's going to be people saving their families and their schools and their communities uh, and then voting for their, their House and Senate races that are going to save the country. But if we don't stand up and do it, um, tyranny is on the doorstep. Um, and so again, I, I, I just want to go back to our start with, you know, Cash Patel laid out what he did. Um, and again, I hope people uh, in the new Congress, when Republicans take over and they're going to take over, will bring in guys like Cash Patel to say, hey, how did you do it? Give us the best advice and then hire really good people to make sure that they deliver on the promise of holding this administration to account, holding the FBI to account, the DOJ to account. Justice is, is supposed to be blind. Justice is not supposed to be political. That's what our founders envisioned. That's what we've had for over 200 years. It's not that anymore. We have to get back to um, not having a political perspective in in prosecution. And it's, only gonna, it's gonna be Republicans in this majority that can do that. They have to deliver. Yeah, Sean, also really quick, I think that's why Ron Johnson's um, election in Wisconsin is so important. So many of the tyrannical things that happened to our country um, over during COVID, um, I think he's going to get to the bottom of it, including 
um, giving a voice to so many of the people who were vaccine injured, um, people who lost their jobs because they, you know, followed the science and believed they didn't need to take um, the vaccine because they were healthy or it had natural immunities. Um, there were so many um, evil things, unconstitutional things that were were um, brought on the American people um, under the quote unquote emergency of COVID, something that, um, you know, as you said, was serious, but no less serious than the flu in terms of its um, uh, 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 ability to kill people, especially young, healthy people. Um, the flu was actually more dangerous. So a lot of unconstitutional things happened. And I believe that Ron Johnson, probably more so than any other member of Congress, um, is going to be the one who is going to take that bone and not let it go until we get to the bottom. And if we don't get to the bottom of these questions, whether it's COVID or this two-tiered uh, system of justice, um, it won't stop. We, it has to be exposed. It has to be investigated. People have to be in, uh, held accountable or else we will lose this beautiful republic of ours. No, no doubt. And so we talk about this all the time. Like this is like a topic of conversation daily for us because we're so frustrated and we're sharing our views on the podcast here. Um, but again, think small. Think about your family. Think about your kids' education. Think about how you're going to vote. Though, and, you know, think about your school board and your city council and your county board. Those are easy things to do in your community, in your life. And if we all do that, we're going to change America. We're going to get our democracy and our freedom and our republic back. Um, so, listen, I want to thank you all for joining us at uh, our kitchen table. Again, we're, our hair's on fire. We're losing our minds as a, as a family over what's happening. And we're grateful that you tuned in. And uh, if you like our podcast, rate, review, subscribe to From the Kitchen Table. Uh, we love to have you uh, with us uh, twice a week now with uh, Fox News podcasts. That's right. You'll get reminders from uh, from from whoever those internet gods are. <laughs> the reminders from the from the internet gods. Yes. Um, subscribe, and then you'll get reminders of when each podcast is coming out and who our great guests are. The guests get better every single week, and we're on twice now. So thanks for joining us at the kitchen table. We'll see you around next time. Have a good time. one. Bye bye. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.